Locked On Aggies podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Travis, the Locked On Aggies podcast, your source for everything Texas A&M athletics, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And if you're not following the show on Twitter, I recommend you do so at Locked On Aggies. That's at Locked On Aggies. You can also follow my personal Twitter at TaylorTravis15. A lot of good info on both. Uh, I cover Texas A&M for a living. Sports Radio 1150, The Zone 102.7 FM and College Station as well as News Talk 1620 WTAW and College Station. So if you ever want your uh, Aggie football fix as far as news goes, you can either follow myself at TaylorTravis15 or the show at Locked On Aggies. There's plenty of info, plenty of news on both, as well as uh, some takes during the game. If you want to get my uh, rapid reaction on things, you can go there as well for that. Uh, also, the mailbag is always open. If you ever have a question for the show, if you have a question for me that's revolving around Texas A&M football or really Texas A&M athletics in general, you can do that. You can either uh, email the show, LockedOnAggies at gmail.com. I'm quick to respond. I check it every day. And if you ask a good question, there's a good chance that I read it and respond to it on the podcast. So listener interaction is always encouraged. It's welcomed. And don't hesitate. If you ever have a question for me, I'll be sure to get to you as soon as possible. Texas A&M coming off a 24-17 win over Arkansas and Jerry World, a game that was a lot closer than, I guess, both Vegas expected and the masses. I mean, Vegas had the game at a, uh, I think the line was 22. Texas a was favored by more than three touchdowns. And I think the general consensus around the country was that Texas A&M would win this game pretty handily. And if you've seen Arkansas play so far this year, you see why, right? I mean, they lost to North Texas pretty handily. North Texas is a team that's a lot better than they've been in the past, but it's still a team that when you're in the SEC and you're the University of Arkansas, you should be able to beat them Pretty handily, you would think, but that's not been the case. Arkansas also has that really bad loss to a Colorado State team that lost to Illinois State. So really, before this game, Arkansas didn't look good at all, and I understand why people thought that it wouldn't be a close game. But if you remember last week on the show, I said this game might be a little bit closer than people think, at least for a half. I thought this game would be close for a half. In fact, I said I think it would be a 10-point game at halftime. At halftime, the score was 17-7, 10 points exactly. But I thought Texas A&M would eventually run away with it because you look at the A&M team, they have a lot more talent all the way across the board than Arkansas does. And I think it was evident if you watched the game. I think it was pretty clear just as far as the eye test goes that Texas A&M was the better team all the way across the board, but the scoreboard didn't really indicate that. Texas A&M missed a lot of opportunities. They didn't put the game away when they had the opportunity to do so. And A result of that was it was a touchdown game in the fourth quarter. Arkansas had the ball with a chance to tie it and send it into overtime. But luckily for Texas A&M, Donovan Wilson, who we finally got to see him in the fourth quarter, he's been ejected for targeting twice this season. But Donovan Wilson came through with a big interception to seal the deal. Final score, Texas A&M 24, Arkansas 17. But why was this game close? We're going to get into that a little bit later. But why was this game close? Well, number one, I think Arkansas just really wanted it. You know, Chad Morris, we talked about this last week, but Chad Morris, it seems like, has some sour grapes towards Texas A&M. I mean, during the uh, offseason, during the SEC media days, he was asked about A&M, and he didn't really say much about it. He didn't even mention Texas A&M by name. And then during last week, leading up to the game, he was asked about Texas A&M a few times, and just his answers to the questions were really weird. He kind of beat around the bush a little bit, kind of dodged the questions, and still never mentioned Texas A&M by name. You also had John Chavis, the defensive coordinator at Arkansas, who he's pretty familiar with the Texas A&M offense, right? Because he coached against Jimbo Fisher when Jimbo Fisher was the offensive coordinator at LSU. And you look at those offenses at LSU back then, 
and you look at the Texas A&M offense now, it's really similar. It really is. The thing about Jimbo Fisher's offense is it's sort of evergreen. You know, it's an offense you can always run. It's always going to be effective. But John Chavis was definitely not only familiar with that offense, but he was also familiar with some of the players on that Texas A&M team, having been there last year. So that was an advantage, I think, to Arkansas. And three, the Arkansas players just really wanted the game. Arkansas hasn't beaten Texas A&M since Texas A&M joined the SEC. There's not a single player on that Arkansas roster who's beaten Texas A&M. So I think this was a big game for them in that before the season even started, they probably had this game circled on the calendar as a game that they really wanted to win. They really wanted to beat Texas A&M, and it showed on Saturday in a big way. That was the best game we've seen from Arkansas all year by a long shot, all the way across the board. Defense, offense, special teams, just a really good outing by Arkansas. But Jimbo Fisher spoke to the media after the game. I was back there for the press conference, and he wasn't happy. From the moment he walked in, you could tell he wasn't happy. In fact, he was asked about his... uh, Thoughts on the win, and uh, let's go ahead and hear what he had to say. By the way, all audio played on this show is courtesy of WTAW and College Station, but here's Jimbo Fisher after the game on Saturday. First, uh, you know, happy that we were able to win the football game. Our team did the things. They had enough things to win a football game. I thought Arkansas played extremely hard. Great job by Chad and his crew. But other than that, that's about it. I think we played real well. Thought we played in spurts. Thought we come out and started well. Had some great things off the beginning. Lost control of the game. Had control of the game. Let guys hang in the game. We're up three scores. Let them get back in the game. Uh, on offense, should have put things away on different drives. Should have put those away. Should have ran the football better. Had too many inconsistencies. Too many silly penalties. Kept us behind the sticks late and third and long all day. Had some critical drops early in the game when we could have really put pressure on them. And probably played our worst football game of the year by far. And need to get things fixed and play. We, we had some immediacy coming out. Tried to play that. Had decent intensity. But we, our intelligence level of how to play and how to expect to win and play from ahead and do things that champions do and, and good football teams do, we've got to grow in it. And, that's my, and I've got to continue to teach, educate, and make sure that doesn't happen. And we got to get better. So win or not, it's pretty obvious to me that Jimbo Fisher was not happy with his team, and he shouldn't have been happy because, again, Arkansas is a team that I think is a little bit better than people thought going into the Texas A&M game, but they're still not a good team whatsoever. Texas A&M, definitely the better team there. But Jimbo Fisher, not happy as he should be. You know, another thing that stood out to me, didn't really stand out to me necessarily, but it kind of came out after the game, was when Jimbo Fisher grabbed Tyrell Dodson's face mask during the game and kind of shook him a little bit. A lot of people were upset with that. You know, I, I didn't get it. I don't understand what the big deal was, but there was a lot of people saying that that's not how players should be treated. That's not how Texas A&M should be represented. You know, it goes on and on, but I, I didn't see the big deal at all. That's something that's been going on for a long time, and it seems like this day and age especially, players are just so soft. People are soft in general, and it's just it's taking away from football. It really is. But when I saw that video... See, I heard about it before I saw the video, and I was expecting a lot worse. When I saw that video, I was kind of like, wait, is that it? Really? That's it? That's what people are mad about? But Jimbo Fisher was asked after the game about that interaction, why he grabbed Tyrell Dotson's face mask. This was his response. Yeah, they're getting an interaction right there, out and, getting a, and they're getting an argument in a fight. Well, I don't, need, I don't need that guy out there pushing and shoving, getting in a fight in the game. Lose our, one of our best players on defense and our team leader. That's great. Learn to put your pride away and go on the sideline. There ain't no sense to go out there and push and shove and do dumb things out there when you're locked in on a game. He plays great. He's a heck of a player for us. We don't. I, I've had enough. You know, we've had Dono going for a game or two. We had that, and in a game like that, to lose 25. And I was just trying to make a point. I, I just, I don't want you out there fighting and 
Make the play, shut your mouth, go on. And, I, and he is a great player. I, and emotions get in football. It's an emotional game. But you've got to play intelligently. You've got to play to win. Don, Don's is one of our team leaders. That's a guy we count on for everything. Make calls, do everything, man. That guy's critical. And you've got you to understand that role that we, you, there's, a, there's something bigger than the individual battle that you're going with. That's all I was trying to make a point to him. Tyrell Dotson also tweeted after the game and said, Coach Fisher is an amazing coach. He did the right thing. I let my emotions get the best of me at the certain moment. My teammates in this university need me. That's why he was so upset. He'll have my back no matter what. Ags win. So Tyrell Dotson not upset with it. The Texas scene and players were even asked after the game if they've seen that kind of reaction from Jimbo before. And they said, you know, happens in practice all the time. That might be the most animated we've seen him during a game. But it's we're used to it. And it doesn't really bother us. You know, I think I, I just don't get why people made such a big deal out of that. I really don't. It really wasn't a big deal, but some people were really upset by it. They probably will be upset. It'll be interesting to see if Jimbo Fisher is kind of forced to make some sort of apology for it. But again, that was a big storyline from the game. I don't really think it was much of a story, but it's something a lot of people were upset about. So I'm going to have to bring it up and I'm going to defend Jimbo Fisher because I did not see anything wrong with it. He was just getting Tyrell Dodson's attention. And sometimes you have to rip into your guys when you know they're not playing disciplined football like Tyrell Dodson was doing. It's simple as that. Also, this came across the newswire yesterday. The Kentucky game is now set in stone. It's going to be at 6 o'clock on ESPN on Saturday. So another evening game at Kyle Field. By the way, this Kentucky team looks good. They look really good. They've beaten Florida in the swamp, Mississippi State, and South Carolina. By the way, those two teams are teams that people thought were going to win 9 or 10 games. They have a lot of talent, but those are really good three wins for Kentucky. That's going to be a tough game for Texas A&M. That's a game that you know the Texas A&M run defense is going to have to continue to play well because Benny Snell, Kentucky's running back, in my opinion, is the best running back in the country. They're going to have their hands full for sure. That's going to be a great game. Again, 6 o'clock ESPN, Kyle Field, Texas A&M, Kentucky next Saturday. Uh, in a little bit, I'm going to give my three good things and three bad things like I do on the Monday after every game. But before I do that, I want to tell you a little bit about Vivid Seats. Now, I'm a big sports guy. I love going to games. One of my favorite things to do with friends is to go to a baseball game or a football game, just hang out and watch it. And there's one place I go to whenever I'm looking for tickets to go to those games. That's Vivid Seats. And right now, Vivid Seats is offering a really special offer for my listeners. And it's a really good deal. So grab your phone Either go to the Google Play or the App Store and download the Vivid Seats app. Once you're there, enter promo code Locked On and you'll get twenty dollars off any purchase of two hundred dollars or more. That's twenty dollars off any purchase of two hundred dollars or more. New customers only. So if you've already used Vivid Seats, you won't be eligible for the offer. But if you're a new customer, go to the Vivid Seats app, put in the promo code Locked On, and again, twenty dollars off purchases of two hundred dollars or more. You know that might come in handy here pretty soon with baseball playoffs starting. If you're an Astros fan, if you want to go catch an Astros game at Minute Maid Park, those playoff tickets aren't cheap, but you can get $20 off any purchase of $200 or more if you use the promo code Locked On. Again, $20 off purchases of $200 or more, promo code Locked On. Also, every purchase on Vivid Seats is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. It's too good of a deal to pass up. Go to the Vivid Seats app, enter promo code Locked On for $20 off orders of $200 or more as a new customer of Vivid Seats. You're listening to the Locked On Aggies podcast. Locked On Aggies, your daily source for everything Texas A&M athletics. I'm your host, Taylor Travis, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Texas A&M coming off of a 24-17 win over Arkansas. And I had some good takeaways and some bad takeaways. I'll be honest, though. 
it was really hard for me to find three good takeaways from this game. And I mean, A&M still got the win, so all things considered, I guess, you know, if there's going to be a game where you can't find three good takeaways, at least it comes in a win. But it was a really, really sloppy win, a really uh, poor performance from Texas A&M, that 24-17 win over Arkansas. But I did some digging, I rewatched the game, and I came away with three good things that I saw from the Texas A&M team. And number one, for me at least, was Travion Williams and the Aggie offensive line to a certain extent, even though most of those runs from Travion Williams were on the outside, the lead blocker, like Colin Gillespie, he still struggled to run up the middle. The Texas A&M offensive line still struggled to get much push against Arkansas, even though Arkansas did come into the game with one of the best run defenses in the country. Travion Williams, though, still, he was able to get going. That's something Texas A&M's needed against good teams because you think back, I mean, Travion Williams, he came into Saturday's game with 430 total rush yards, which that's a pretty good number this early in the season. But only 62 of those came against the Texas A&M's two Power 5 opponents, Alabama and Clemson. Now, I know Alabama and Clemson are two of the best teams in the country, especially on defense. But it's still concerning, right? Because 62 in those two games, it's going to be hard to win football games when you can't get the run game going, especially when you have a talented back like Travion Williams, who is supposed to be really the highlight guy on your offense, the go-to guy. But so far, he hasn't been that against Power 5 teams. Well, Saturday against Arkansas, he broke out in a big way. He ran for 152 yards. He had 29 carries, which is a career high for him. He had 28 against Tennessee in 2016 in a game that went in overtime. But he had 29 carries Saturday against Arkansas, 152 yards, found the end zone twice, Definitely one of the uh, best performances from Travion Williams so far this season when you consider the opponent. He had big games against Northwestern State and Louisiana Monroe, but it's kind of hard to uh, to take too much away from that because those are two bad teams. But against Arkansas, good run defense. That's a really good game for him. He was consistent. He was steady. And the Aggies, quite frankly, are going to need that type of performance from Travion Williams moving forward as we get deeper and deeper into SEC play if they want a shot at seven, eight, nine wins. I mean, Travion Williams is a huge part of that Texas A&M offense. He really is. I mean, especially when Kellen Mond has a rough game like he did on Saturday. We'll go more into that later. But when Kellen Mond can't get anything going through the air, when he's throwing interceptions, you need a guy like Travion Williams to really carry that offense. That's what he did on Saturday. That was a really welcome sight for Texas A&M fans. My second good thing from the game on Saturday was Donovan Wilson. The Texas A&M secondary came into Saturday's game as the worst secondary in the SEC. And a big part of that is Donovan Wilson's been ejected twice for targeting so far this year. And if you look at the depth chart, especially in the secondary, outside of Donovan Wilson, there's really nobody in that secondary who has that much experience. I mean, Derek Tucker, I guess. Charles Oliver, I guess. I mean, but really, there's no upperclassmen. Donovan Wilson's it. And when Donovan Wilson is in that secondary when he's playing, when he's on the field, that Texas a secondary looks completely different. He's a guy who's capable of getting a big turnover, making a big play at any point in the game, especially when you need it most. Example, I mean, fourth quarter against Arkansas, one eleven to go. Texas a has a one-touchdown lead. Arkansas is driving. It's looking like, to me, that this game's going to go into overtime. I mean, Arkansas looked like they were on a mission. They were about to put the ball in the end zone, and we're going to get overtime again in the Southwest Classic at AT&T Stadium, but Donovan Wilson made a big play. I mean, that ball was thrown really high. It wasn't a great throw, but Donovan Wilson had a good read on it. He had a good jump, picked it off, game over. Here's what Jimbo Fisher said after the game about just how important it is to have Donovan Wilson there in the secondary. 
Oh, again, I mean, this nobody practices harder and plays harder than Dono every day, day in, day out on our football team. I mean, I'm telling you, he's, he's been a warrior every day. But like I said, playing more intelligently and not, not on how you hit and do things. you got to stay in the game because he's vital for us. I mean, that's a big play. You know, maybe he could have made those plays in other games, you know, being in there at different times. And, you know, he is a heck of a player, and I'm glad to see him get rewarded because he, he works his tail off. He really does. Again, Donovan Wilson is a guy the Texas A&M defense needs to be able to stay on the field as we get deeper into SEC play, because he's a guy who can make big plays when the team needs it, and he's a guy who, they just need his presence. Again, the secondary is so young, they're so inexperienced. When Donovan Wilson's out there, they look like a completely different group. They really do. So Donovan Wilson, a really strong takeaway for me. The third good thing that I took away from the game on Saturday was the run defense. Now, Texas A&M came into the ballgame with one of the best run defenses in the country. They gave up just 55 yards on the ground to Arkansas. Just 55. That's it. They averaged 2.1 yards per carry, just over two. And I'll say this. The Texas A&M run defense is what gives me, uh, gives me hope of an eight or nine win season for Texas A&M. Because you look at that schedule. I've said this before, but I mean, next week against Kentucky, Benny Snell, who I think is the best running back in the country, that's going to be tough. You have games like Auburn, Mississippi State, LSU teams that like to run the ball down your throat. The Texas A&M run defense, if they can keep playing the way they've been playing early on this season, they're going to keep Texas A&M in the ballgame no matter who the opponent is. I mean, it's really as simple as that. But on Saturday, they stepped up in a big way, only allowed 55 yards on the ground to an Arkansas team that definitely isn't known for its offense, but anytime you only give up 55 yards on the ground, you're doing something right. I mean, Dalen Mack had a big game as well. Two tackles for a loss. Dalen Mack's a guy who we've been expecting to break out in a big way for a long time. He finally is. But again, that Texas A&M run defense just continues to impress me. And they're going to be big down the stretch because Texas A&M's going to need to be able to stop the run to win ball games, And I think they will. Right now, they rank 10th in the country. It's going to be really interesting to see where they rank at the end of the year after playing teams like Kentucky, Auburn, Mississippi State, LSU. But again, the Texas A&M run defense again showed why they're one of the best in the country so far. I'll get to my three bad things that I took away from the game right after I tell you about Locked On NBA. It can't, it's hard to believe. It really is. It's hard to believe, but the NBA season is just around the corner. The preseason has already started. But if you're an NBA fan, if you have a favorite NBA team, Locked On Podcast has something for you. I'm a big Rockets fan. I like to listen to Locked On Rockets with Ben DeBose. I have a buddy who's a big Mavericks fan. He listens to Locked On Mavericks. But again, if you're a big NBA fan... There's a podcast for your team, whether you're a Jazz fan, a Lakers fan, a Celtics fan, a Heat fan. There's a podcast for you out there, and it's on the Lockdown Podcast Network. So go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, go to Spotify, look up Lockdown, insert your team. You'll find it. It's a good show. It's a daily show dedicated to your team on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. You're listening to the Lockdown Aggies Podcast. I'm Taylor Travis, your host at TaylorTravis15 on Twitter a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Aggies. But let's get to my three bad things that I took away from the Texas A&M win 24-17 over Arkansas on Saturday. And there was a lot of bad things. It was almost hard for me to narrow down the list, just three. You know how I said that I couldn't think of three good things to take away from that game? Well, it was just as hard to narrow down the list of bad things to three when I went back and rewatched the game. But the number one bad thing, at least to me, was the lack of killer instinct. Texas A&M had such a hard time putting Arkansas away 
And they never really did until there was a little bit over a minute left in the game when Donovan Wilson had that big interception. But Texas a at one point in the second quarter was ahead 17-0. And that's when I was thinking, that's when probably most people thought, okay, it's only a matter of time before Texas a really breaks this game wide open. But Arkansas hung in there. Texas a allowed Arkansas to hang in there. Their offense kind of stalled. They uh, allowed Arkansas to score some points. Next thing you know, it's 17-7 at halftime. And then you look up in the fourth quarter, it's a 24-17 game. A minute left, Arkansas is driving with a chance to tie it. Again, it's just lack of killer instinct. We saw that with Kevin Sumlin. I don't think this is going to be a trend under Jimbo Fisher. I think this is kind of this is going to be an outlier, so to speak. It's not something you're going to see very often. I think the 11 a.m. start time had something to do with it. I think the uh, coming off the Alabama game played a factor as well. And of course, you had an Arkansas team who really wanted it. They did. Chad Morris wanted it bad. His players wanted it bad. They gave Texas A&M everything they could handle. Made it hard for Texas A&M to put that game away. But still, when you're the more talented team, you have to take advantage of your opportunities. They were in the red zone several times and missed two field goals. I mean, there was just several, several missed opportunities that Texas A&M had. And Jimbo Fisher mentioned this as well. You got you to take the arrow. We moved it down the red zone two or three times. Didn't have stupid penalties. Had some negative plays. I mean, you, you, there's no way you can play that well and then, and then not finish that well or get penalties. And it's focus, concentration, is discipline. Dis, you have discipline when you want to have discipline. We need discipline. We got we got to play more discipline on, on the things we're doing. It'll be very interesting to see how Texas A&M responds against Kentucky. I could see uh, again, Kentucky's a really good team, but I could see. Jimbo Fisher really having his guys fired up and Texas A&M making a big statement against Kentucky at Kyle Field on Saturday. My second bad thing that I took away from the game, a poor game from Kellamont. Kellamont definitely wasn't his best, and I don't want to overreact because he played really well against Clemson. He played well against Alabama, all things considered. But Kellamont, it looked like he was almost sleepwalking. He kind of had that deer in the headlights look for most of the game. He just never was able to get it going like we've seen. He missed a few throws. He threw two interceptions on really bad throws. One was thrown way behind the receiver. The other was thrown, I don't even know where he was throwing. It was a bad third down, too. Texas a was in field goal range. It was one of those things where I'm sure Jimbo Fisher told him, hey, look to see if you have the open guy. If not, throw it away. We'll get the three points. Instead, he threw it right at that Arkansas defender. I don't know what he saw there, but it was a really bad throw. And again, I don't want to overreact because I'm still a big Kellamon guy. I think Kellamon's going to be a star in this league. I really do. But Texas A&M's not going to be able to win very many ball games with Kellamon playing like that. I mean, it was just a really, really poor game overall. I mean, 17 of 26, 201 yards, two interceptions. It's not good enough. It's not good enough at all. It's a good thing that Travion Williams was able to get it going because if not, Texas A&M probably would have lost that game. In fact, not probably. I have no doubt in my mind that Texas A&M would have lost if Travion Williams wouldn't have been able to find his stride and rush for as many yards as he did. Because Kellamon, just not a good game from him. I do think that's going to be an outlier. I think he bounces back next week. But wow, he looked awful. He really did. And not only through the air, I mean, also on the ground. We saw him have a big game on the ground against Alabama. On Saturday, he ran 11 times, gained 14 yards. So, again, not a good game from Kellamon. I think it's an outlier. I don't think we really see a bad game from him like that again. But at the same time, it's something to keep an eye on moving forward. I think it is. My third bad thing, and again, I had so many bad takeaways from this game. We'll get to some more of them later on in the week. My third bad takeaway, my third bad thing, was Jamon Ospin. He's been really disappointing this year because Jamon Ospin coming into the season was supposed to be that wide receiver one. He was supposed to be that receiver that carries this whole wide receiver group who was going to be Kellen Mond's go-to guy. 
two high school teammates who are really familiar with each other. But so far this year, he hasn't been that guy. He really hasn't. His overall numbers aren't bad, but they're not what you want to see from the guy who's supposed to be your wide receiver one. They're really not. And yesterday was probably his worst game of his career. He was targeted three times. He had one catch. His other two were dropped. And they were really bad drops, too. They weren't your drop where it was like, you know, you laid out and went off your fingertips. No, they were catches that should have been made 100% of the time. They just weren't. So Jamon Ospin's a guy who Texas A&M's going to need down the stretch in a big way. But unfortunately, he was seen in the tunnel during the game in the second half with a walking boot on and crutches. So we don't know the extent of that injury. I'm sure tomorrow during the the weekly presser, Jimbo Fisher will probably address it. But if Jamon Ospin goes down, Texas A&M's going to need somebody to step up in his place. We saw Hezekiah Jones step up when Ospin left the game in the second half. He played well, the best game of his career. We saw Cam Buckley make some plays. Even Jay Sternberger did what he's done all season long. He's going to continue to do so, I'm sure. But Jamon Ospin has to step up. As soon as he gets healthy again, he has to step up and be the guy that Texas A&M needs him to be. Because we're five games into the season. And there's still not that go-to guy that Kellamon can throw the ball to. At receiver. Jay Sternberger's been really close to that. But I'm talking about at receiver. Again, Courtney Davis has been a surprise. Cam Buckley's played well. Kendrick Rogers had a big game. Jamon Osmond, disappointing. He really is. And there's not that one guy in the receiving core that Kellamon can go to on third down when he needs 10 yards and he knows that guy's going to come down with the ball. I mean... We thought it was going to be Jamon Ospin. So far, it's not. It just hasn't been. And he has got to step it up going forward if the Texas A&M offense wants to have success. Simple as that. That's going to do it for today's show. Tomorrow, we will recap the weekly presser. Texas A&M football is going to hold their presser tomorrow. We're going to recap that on Tuesday. But until then, thanks for listening to the Locked On Aggies podcast. I'm Taylor Travis, your host. Locked On Aggies, your daily source of Texas A&M Athletics. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Aggies. You can also follow me on Twitter at TaylorTravis15. Locked On Aggies, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.